Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much, it's Celia. I'm loving these tips. Well, you're listening to Otherwise right now here on SFM. I'm Nancy Richards, and the team today is Hazel Mikrozeni and Des Skippers. And what we have on the show today, well, coming up rather later, Touch of Drama. We're going to be talking to two theatricals, to an actress-turned-producer. She's Susan Danford, talking about a play that's been described as a traditional gem. Certainly it's been all over the world, translated into 19 languages, no less. It's called Vigil. Currently playing here in Cape Town, so watch out for that one. We're going to be talking to a director-turned-traveller, actually. She's Tara Norcutt, and she is off to the Edinburgh Festival this afternoon with her production of The Three Little Pigs. But she's going to tell us a little bit about how she got to be where she is, because at just 26, she's doing great things in the, uh, in the performance art, performing arts uh, uh, industry. Before that, though, as I said, a story that comes up as regular as clockwork right here on The Women's Show, and quite appropriately, too, helping South Africa's young women deal with their monthly periods with dignity. We're going to be looking at two initiatives to bring these young women exactly what they need. So that's what we've got lined up, and if you'd like to share at any stage, welcome, otherwise at safm.co.za, or find us on Facebook, otherwise on SAFM, or if you want to call 0892102010. Which is quickly in what's news, as I say, talking to a couple of theatricals later about productions, uh, both of which were at the National Arts Festival. Well, the other night, other night I actually went to another one, one of a whole lot of them called Fresh from the Fest at the Arena Theatre at the Hitting Campus in Cape Town. And I saw a piece called Women in Words, and what a powerful piece. But what was impressive about it was that afterwards we discovered that none of the women in it were actually actresses at all, but they were in fact a group of students at UWC who'd got together with the gender department to speak out about things that really got to them. Nice one, really nice one. Especially uh, as one of them, um, one amongst the players was in fact blind, who put on an impressive, very impressive performance dancing as well. Lovely, well done ladies. And so, um, well done too to the, uh, to the Cape Town schoolgirl, grade 11, Samantha Hayward of Herschel Girls School, whose research project on BMI, which as you know is Body Mass Index Calculation, has made it through to the finals of an international Google competition. Well done, her. And just quickly on the subject of research. Don't forget it's the, on the green front. Uh, tonight it's the Enviro Show between 9 and 10 with me and Kim. Interesting to see, talking of green, that the historic company's gardens in Cape Town is about to be serviced with Wi-Fi. So all users of smartphones, tablets and laptops and so on will be able to surf the net and apparently by scanning in a code learn a a thing or two about the plants and trees in the garden as well. Well, it's said to be a pilot project for other areas of Cape Town, so that's, uh, that's good news for us all. But I have to say that the downside of this is according to a group of Danish schoolgirls who did some research to test the effect of cell phone radiation on plants, the bad news is that the test seeds that were planted right next to the router didn't grow at all. So we'll give you the fuller data details on that rather gloomy story in the Enviro show tonight. And just lastly, and so the new British royal is George. George Alexander Louis, and I suspect there are probably going to be a rash of Georges in England, certainly judging by the interest among the people waiting outside the hospital. But George, well, not only have there been a number of King Georges before, six in fact, but George, as you know, is also the patron saint of England. About him, not a lot is known. He is said to have been a soldier of noble birth, also appropriate. Also, legend has it that he was a dragon slayer and that he was also chosen by Lord baden to be the patron saint of the Scout movement. So, a little bit to live up to, aside from all that international interest. You're listening to uh, Otherwise. Stay with us. This is SAFM. Yeah. 
It is indeed SAFM and this is Otherwise where we're talking to and about and for women and young women in particular today because it's so not an easy thing to retain your dignity when you have a period as a young woman. It's something you kind of learn to deal with later but when you're young it's just a hassle. Most especially if you don't have all the necessary to cope with it like sanitary pads or towels or whatever you want to call them. Well, we're going to be focusing on two initiatives uh, right now to focus on. We're going to be hearing in a minute from the Business Women's Association of Cape Town who have been doing their thing with a project called, uh, I think it's called uh, Dignity, the Dignity Project. Uh, yep, it's called the Dignity Project. But first up, we have on the line a young man. His name is Richard Mabasso. And on July the 18th, which as you certainly will know with Madiba Day, uh, Richard was on top of Mount Kilimanjaro, raising awareness and support for the Imomba Foundation's Caring for Girls program, Caring for Girls Sanitary Towels Menstrual Hygiene program. Well, we've got him on the line. I think he's back down from the mountain. Hi, Richard. <laughs> yes, I'm back. Uh, I'm back down. I'm still feeling a bit sore, but yes, I'm back. Hi, Chiyunenki uh, and Yalit. Lovely to have you with us. I kind of hope that you might still be on top of the mountain. It'd be very exciting to be talking <laughs> to you from there. How did How did it go? Well, unfortunately, how, yeah. Sorry, I was saying, unfortunately, with this road bias and uh, all sorts of uh, difficulties going up, yeah, you, you can only spend so much time in a day. Yeah, absolutely. And then come back home. Do you... Yeah. Do you do you, you don't go up and down in a day, do you? Yes, you do. No, 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 no. I hope I would one day, but <laughs> yeah. But no, I didn't. It took us uh, five days going up and then one and a half days going down. Okay, yes, you would have had to be running like a mountain goat to get up there in a day. So, Richard, <laughs> wonderful that you did this, and particularly wonderful in, in our view anyway, is that you did it for young women. How, to tell us a little bit about the Mbumba Foundation. Okay, um, Richard Mabaso is a gentleman from a village called Lupisi outside Nelspreet in Pumala province. So um, about a year ago, or just before that, actually, I sort of met a friend from the UK. His name is Duncan Berman. And then he said, you know what, one day I would like to see you working for yourself and doing things that you want to do because he saw the passion in me that I wanted so desperately. Coming from a poor background, I wanted to use my uh, poor background as an inspiration to do good for other people and then through that uh, inspire other people as well to, to say that you can actually change your own life and you can actually create your own opportunities. But then a year ago, I sort of approached a friend of mine that most of you would be familiar with called uh, Sibusiso Villani. Yeah. And uh, I said to Sibusiso, Sibusiso, in from 2005, climbing Everest, all sorts of mountains across the world. But I've got this ambition one day to climb the mountain. So, and I think this is the best time. So he sort of laughed at me and then said, well, if you're serious about it, I'm ready. So I said to him two things. One, because I might just do this Kilimanjaro once and regret it for the rest of my life. I want to do it for two things. I want it to have a long-lasting legacy or impact in the community. So one, I wanted to do it for Mandela Bay, which is the reason why after last year's successful summit, we then decided that this year, well, last year was still in July, but this year to make it even more special, we said we're going to summit on Nelson Mandela Bay. Hmm. So we submitted on the 18th this year, and it was incredible. So the second element is I said I want to raise in line with the 67,000, um, sorry, the 67 minutes for Mandela. I want to raise 67,000 packets of sanitary pads. And, well, I had no idea what was the problem and, you know, the extent to which these young girls are actually suffering. And after doing the first 
I know it's sort of opened my eyes a bit, and then after the bit of research, it, it turned out that um, a, a minimum or uh, well, an average young girl needs up to 50 days of schooling every um, every year. And then this is when I sort of looked around and approached a number of companies, and it was amazing. Um, corporate FA people like Millet, they came on board, and it was amazing. Nancy. They placed 40,000 packets of sanitary pads. That which, as I'm speaking to you, we're currently busy distributing. Mm. So it's, it, it's been an amazing um, initiative, but also amazing support from Corporate SA, from government, the Department of Education in Pumalanga, people who actually came forward and who helped us with even more statistics at the, uh, regarding the, the, the socio-economic challenges that these young girls are facing. And then, I mean, you can just imagine a, a young girl uh, walking into a classroom and without those um, uh, necessities, it, it's just it, it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's a tragedy in their lives, really. It, it sure is. And for so many, you know, for 52% of approximately of the population, it's really, as I say, it's a hassle. Um, so Lillette's mm-hmm. do- donated 40,000, which would have brought up your number considerably. And the other 27,000? How, how did you get, have people been donating? How's it going? Yes, um, as you were saying, coming down the mountain running, um, part of the, the, the tragedy is trying to put together the numbers because we have received different donations, as I was mentioning, some of them, um, the Banking Association of South Africa and a number of other companies. So now we're putting together the numbers, and of course with uh, our partnership with Lillet, they're giving us a, a, um, at, a, at a very good price which then means uh, to some extent um, the price that we we, were buying at is actually more reasonable, which will then allow us to get more packets of sanitary pads. But uh, I I know that by the end of next week, we should be able to give um, a good figure as to how many we've raised so far. But we're very comfortable that we are um, surpassing already, we are surpassing our target because um, also the city of Ekuruleni is part of the program and they they also supporting about 500 girls for the whole year, um, which is now part of 2013 and up until end of July 2014. Okay. You know, I hate to say this yeah. to you, Richard, but I think you're going to have to go up again next year. I mean, it's going to have to be a sort of an <laughs> annual <laughs> annual event. But I've no, yeah. doubt that, I've no doubt that in a few years you <laughs> well, will be running up there. But you know what's really... Well, what, yeah, go on. Well, the, the thing is, yeah, the, the thing is, it, 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 it's really amazing what happened uh, with this trip for us in Tanzania. It was myself and Sibisu uh, Sovilani, as I mentioned, but also we're joined by the, a young gentleman from Nigeria called Joshua Awesome. So what happened is, um, as we landed in Tanzania from day one, we were wearing our Mandela Bay shirt. So, of course, people were asking us, what are you guys doing here? What are you, what are you all about? So as we were explaining, it was amazing that on day two, the crew or our fellow climbers were actually, they gave us a, a, a nickname called the Mandela Boys. Hmm. So that, of course, gave us, or it put us on the, on the spotlight. And one of the things was we had to explain each and every detail on one Mandela Day, but also on how we use Mandela Day as an inspiration, not only to do what we did, but also to encourage other people to go and do good. And then some of the guys were challenging us and said, you know, guys, have you seen our... Um, uh, Department of Education in Tanzania. Have you seen our our, our youth um, organizations? So they said to us to put it as a challenge. They said to us, you know, guys, please next year come back more prepared because 
we won't let you go back without sharing with us what the, the incredible job that you guys are doing. So I sort of said to them, well, this is just an opportunity for us to, one, not only focus on the social issues that we are facing, but also how can we use uh, Mandela Day and the, the motivation to do good yeah. as an inspiration to create, to create unity amongst ourselves as young people of the African continent and the global community as well. Well, you'll have to make it a date then um, for next year. It's, uh, and I, I would love to go with you. What a wonderful thing to do. Richard, the one, most wonderful, yeah. in my view, the most wonderful thing about this is that here you are a guy, and in your own words, you had absolutely no idea what young women have to go through each and every month nor how much they have to spend to sort themselves out with their menstruation and so on. And, you know, the hassle that they have to go through. And I think that it's really, um, it's really something that you put yourself in this position because, you know, I'm sure you might have your leg pulled a little bit. I mean, here you are, a young guy, doing this for, for all those young women out there. How are you handling that? Well, well, I think, first of all, um, on, the, on Monday, the 15th of July, it was my birthday, and then one guy just, uh, I, I told Joshua that it was my birthday, and then he said, this is amazing, it's your birthday, and then on top of that, you are somewhere in the mountain, in the middle of nowhere doing this, I'm saying to him, Joshua, I had no idea when I started this, I had, I, I don't want to lie to you, Nancy, I had no absolute idea, but when I started working with those kids, one, one of the things that we're not aware of, um, Nancy, is the education element which is incredibly important for the girls to actually know when they reach that stage what to do. So we sort of figured out that the distribution is actually the next level of, of intervention. The first and very critical intervention is to do the education. The menstrual and puberty education needs to take place as early as possible so that a girl child knows that the, at the end of the day, and I, I was discussing with Dalin from Lulet just yesterday, that at the end of the day, we need to build the confidence in that young girl so that they can talk to their parents, because we must also, sorry, to their guardians or whoever that they live with, because we, as you and I know, South Africa is increasingly having more and more child-headed homesteads. So it only means that um, an adult in one particular homestead might be a, a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old or whatever the case may be, which then means it takes away that whole system, that whole um, support for a girl child to be able to talk about the feelings, the um, body changes, their hormonal changes to the next person because at the end of the day, they're all of the same age. And it, it's... Again, it's at the school environment, it even gets worse because yeah. some of them, they start experiencing that um, menstruation for the first time. And then once they're in that condition, they start asking around, what is, what, am, I, am I sick or what? And yeah. then some friends would give them completely wrong information oh, about absolutely. what exactly Richard, we're, we're going to have to leave it at that, but, but thank you. And I want to say, wow, you know, really, and if you were, well, you're not an ever going to be a woman, but I would like to make you honorary <laughs> woman of the week here on Otherwise. I think you've done a oh, brilliant, brilliant job. <laughs> thank you very much. And I'm going to give out the details of the website. I'm, I'm not sure. Is it wearewomen.co.za? 
Okay, that's a minute. Yes, that's uh, a minute. Yes. Okay. Actually, what Hazel's going to take you back. Hazel's going to take you back and get the right website um, so that we can give that's it out, perfect. so we can support it. Blessings. Well done, my man. Thank you. Richard Mombasa, and how wonderful is that? He's founder of the Mbumba Foundation, and we're going to give you the details in just a minute if you would like to help support it, because I just think, wow, way to go. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. Hi, this is Alison Myandu, editor of Business Report. South Africa's National Financial Daily, published in the Star, Pretoria News, the Cape Times, and the Mercury. We educate and inform South Africa about business. We support the Vote Small Business Initiative, Shop small, vote small, and support small business. To learn more, get a copy of Business Report every Thursday. You'll be glad you did. If it's business, it's our business. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights, and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Just indeed, otherwise, I mean, Nancy Richards, and well done that, Richard Mbasso. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Well, on July the 18th, Richard was on top of Kilimanjaro. But last night, Robin Hay, who's the chair of the Business Women's Association in Cape Town and a group of her team, were at the Zamisa Primary School in Langa launching their Dignity Project, and we've got her on the line. Hi, Robin. Hi, how are you, Nancy? Excellent. So you didn't climb Mount Kilimanjaro, but... Uh, no, nonetheless, no, 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 that would end badly for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that nonetheless you have, uh, metaphorically, or you've been climbing a virtual mountain to yeah. make this happen. Your project um, has done very well, and I think you launched it officially last night at Zamisa Primary. Tell yes. us about it. Yes, that's correct. We, um, a group of us were there um, last night um, at Zamisa Primary in Washington Road in Langa, um, and we handed out... Um, the sanitary towels to girls, uh, to 500 girls from grades 4 to grade 9. So 500 girls from grade 4 to grade 9. Now, presumably, uh, I think you're looking at the subs. Um. Yes, that's right. So it's a um, reusable sanitary pad. One of the, one of the major um, issues that um, plagues the, the townships is that there's not sufficient waste removal. So we can't, it, it doesn't work for us to drop off disposable um, sanitary towels yeah. and tampons because that, that just, they just aren't the facilities to deal with them hygienically. So the SUBS product is a reusable, washable sanitary pad that clips onto, under, to, clips onto a pair of panties using um, press studs. And we provided each girl with a, um, a starter pack, which will last them for five years, there's three pairs of underwear and nine pads. And yeah, we've actually yeah. spoken to the, the designer, if you like, Sue yes, Barnes, Sue. a couple of times. I mean, it's just such a brilliant idea. And, no, she, and I have to tell you, Sue is a complete inspiration to me. Mm. I mean, she's just somebody who's taken her skills that she's learned over years and really using it to change the lives of young girls. And I believe it, I, I spoke to one of your team who said that it was absolutely mind-blowing. The girls were just blown away by the whole idea. So I'm really sorry I wasn't able to be there last night. But the response then, did, did somebody go through it all and explain yes. how it worked? Did they get it? So we did it very carefully. One of the most important things that we considered was, um, firstly, the exact kind of product. So we went with subs because culturally um, it's the most acceptable product. There are other products on the market that are aimed at, at dealing with a specific issue. And we also really wanted community buy-in. 
So what we made sure that we did is that we set the, the time to launch this at half past five yesterday so that the parents, the mothers, could get from work to actually be at the, at the, the handover. Mm. We then had one of our members um, address the girls and describe exactly what the situation is and, uh, and with the handing out, how the packs work, how to look after the, the um, packs, what to do if there's a problem, um, how we were allocating them. And we made sure it was someone who could address the girls in their own language. And um, we gave them a, a talk on hygiene and how and how these packs are um, there to assist them. And then we handed them over. And I, I have to tell you, it was quite emotional. I, I, <laughs> I was quite yes. blown away. Yes, oh. I bet, I bet. Um, Zamisa Primary School in Langa, I feel, pardon the expression, it's a drop in the ocean in terms of yes. how many young girls there are yes. here in the Western Cape. How many schools are you hoping to get to? And can, is this ongoing? Yes, it's absolutely ongoing. It's, the BWA, the Business Women's Association, has committed to this project for the next five years. Um, so we're absolutely committed. This is not a, a drop in, you know, high, lots and lots of press, you know, do a good deed and disappear again. This is very much about walking a road with these girls. Um, we're looking at, we've identified six schools. The Department of Education has endorsed our project and said that, you know, they would like us to do it in 25, but we don't have the funding for 25 schools. Mm. So we're restrained only by, only by funding. It's only money, as my mother used to say. But um, the truth is, uh, the market is, is almost, I mean, it's, it's as many girls as there are. Yeah. Yeah, it's infinite. How much does it cost then? I mean, can you give us a sort of per head, per girl, per whatever? Sure. So each pack um, costs us 300 rand because we buy it from Sue and then we have to uh, in Pietermaritzburg and then we need to um, ship it down to Cape Town and we bring it down by road and um, the girls don't pay anything but they only get one pack um, if something happens to that pack or they you know, sell it or they do anything with it and um, they have to replace it at cost which is 300 rand so if anybody's got 300 rand to spare, it's going to help a young girl for five years of her life. Absolutely. Gosh. And I mean, I think the most important thing is the fact that these girls are missing up to 60 days of school a year. Yeah. yeah and, you know, when I, when I was there yesterday, I, I, I'm not a, I'm, I don't have children of my own, so I don't spend a lot of time in um, schools and looking at, looking at children en masse. But the absolute... You know the joy and the excitement to be able for them to be able to attend school, and just I was so impressed with their attitude to it. And um, I really believe that initiatives like this may seem so random and so you know disconnected when you're looking at poverty and housing and sanitation and all of those things. But the truth is, unless we keep these girls in school, we're just perpetuating cycles, and these girls are, are they are the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah, and I think young women need every bit of support they can possibly get. Um, mothers and daughters were there. A lot of support from the school as well? Yes. I have to tell you, the school teachers were unbelievable. They just they gave of their own time. They uh, mobilized the kids. They helped us with the language barrier. They helped us make sure that everyone... Oh, sorry. I, sorry, I might have lost you. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it at that shame. I'm sorry we've lost Robin Hay, um, but hopefully we got the story there. Let me give you the details if you'd like to help them. Um, www.bwasa.co.za, bwasa.co.za, if you'd like to help support that project.
that's the Business Women's Association of Cape Town doing really good work for a whole lot of kids, young women right here in Cape Town, bwasa.co.za. And if you'd like to help Richard with uh, his project, and I think that's an absolutely brilliant one too, www.imbumbafoundation.org. That's I-M-B-U-M-B-A foundation.org, imbumbafoundation.org. We'll put them both up on our Facebook page, that's otherwise on SAFM. Right now it's 1.30, it's news headlines time with Utsile. Thanks very much, Utsile. You might remember, in fact, that we spoke to Lewis Gordon-Pugh on uh, the Enviro Show just a little while ago, and he started to tell us a little bit about that project. Lovely stuff. And don't forget the Enviro Show tonight, right here on SAFM between 9 and 10 this evening. But right now it's otherwise, and uh, in a minute we're going to be talking to actress Susan Danford about what it's like suddenly to be producing. She's also going to be telling us a little bit more about the play called Vigil, it caused a stir in Grahamstown, but in fact has caused a bit of a stir all over the world. It's been translated into no fewer than 19 languages, and it's been described as a real gem. So do stay with us and listen to that. It's presently on at the Fugard right here in Cape Town. But first, off to the Edinburgh Festival this very afternoon, in fact she's probably on her way to the airport, is Tara Louise Notcut. She is a director and a theatre maker, and she's going to Edinburgh with a production of The Three Little Pigs, but she's done all sorts of things, theatrically speaking, and we've got her on the line. Hi, Tara. Hello. Excellent. Nice to have you with us. Yeah. Are you packed? Yeah. Are you ready to go? I am actually in the process of packing. Oh, actually. shame. I'm sorry to be holding you up. Um, Tara, <laughs> let's, before we get on to the Three Little Pigs and uh, Edinburgh, I think mm. what's interesting about both you and Susan is that you have made the theatre your life. How, how and when did it start for you? Because you're only 26 now, and you seem to have reached something of a pinnacle. When did it all begin? Um, my my dad is well, my dad's a drama teacher and my mom's a dance teacher. She runs a community dance project in Cape Town. Um, so it's kind of always you know going up backstage and helping with lights and painting sets and that kind of thing. So I I don't actually think I know how to do anything else. So I think I just have to keep going with this. Excellent, excellent. So you have I mean you did you start by acting yourself? What, what was your particular direction? I did want to, uh, I mean, at one stage, my dad keeps sort of reminding me that I did want to be an actress, but I don't really remember that. Originally, I wanted to be a farmer's wife, because I thought, you know, a life on a farm would be great. Then I wanted to be a lawyer, and kind of came to my senses, and decided that drama school would be a very stable and good career option. Um, And, yeah, it was while I was at drama school that I decided that actually... You know, there were so many other people who were so much better at acting and, you know, people who had, you know, a real hunger for it. And I was so much more interested in, you know, behind the scenes and kind of making, helping other people to act. So that's kind of really where drama school is sort of really where everything kind of fell into place. Did I hear you say that you thought being in the theatre would be a stable option? <laughs> <laughs> I did. It's the kind of joke in our family. Um, yeah, I, I remember when I went, uh, when when I decided that I wanted to go to drama school, I sat my parents down and I told them, and they were like, "No, oh, but you know, you're not going to have any money and whatever." And I just looked at them and I was like, "Well, you know, we've we've always been fine and we've been very happy, so why would I not want to do it?" And so far, so good. Happiness is, in the end, what it's all about. Exactly. I recently saw your your directing of a piece called A Town, not sure if I'm really allowed to say this on the air, A Town <laughs> Called Dot Dot Dot, um, which was at the Colt Bay Theatre, which was absolutely wonderful. And they, you. you were directing a whole bunch of guys, which must have been, I don't know, I suppose it's a women's programme, perhaps I'm thinking stereotypically, <laughs> but how was that? Um, it was, I mean, it was wonderful. I, I, I tend to have worked with a lot of men sort of in my career so far. 
Um, and I mean, to be able to work with such talented singers and performers was a real, I mean, a real treat. Um, it's the first musical that I've done. It's going extremely well so far. Um, and I mean, I hope that it's the first of many. Is it, you know, we talk a lot about sort of chefs and cooks and women are cooks and men are chefs. Um, yes. Is it the same in the, in the drama world or in the theatrical world that producers and directors tend to be guys or is that, is that changing? They tend, they tend to be, I mean, yeah, sort of historically they've really been men. Um, but I think that's particularly with my kind of generation um, is really starting to change. I mean, there are amazing people like Susan Danford who were just speaking about um, Laura Foote, Janice Honeyman, who, who are really amazing women who've kind of like paved the way for younger women to, you know, kind of like follow mm-hmm. our dream and know that we can, you know, we can do kind of anything that we really want to do. Um, but, yeah, it has kind of been typically male. It's interesting being a young female, but it's a very exciting time to be a young female as well. There's a lot of writers and producers and directors who are coming out of drama schools who are really, really interested in not just acting, in doing everything else. And it's a very exciting time to kind of be part of that. I suppose it's also the time where you've got to be proactive. Nobody's going to sort of come to you and say, come on now, you must do this. And you co-founded something called The Pink Couch. I did indeed. The Pink Couch is a, it's a, group, of, it's a group of friends. It's a name that we go by. Um, it's myself and a couple of guys, funny enough, uh, who we just really love making theatre together. And, I mean, everybody does everything else that they want, so it's not restrictive. People kind of come and go as they please, but when we work together, we kind of put it under the pink couch and we've I mean we've made some really beautiful work together and I hope that we continue to do that nothing to do with the casting couch I hope yeah, no no, okay. no. <laughs> and, uh, I mean I don't want to go through a sort of a whole list of everything you have done in your theatrical life but I see that you were also working with some emerging theatre makers from the Eastern Cape yes so that was a very exciting project mm. um, Ishmael Mohammed from the NAF uh, phoned and asked if I'd like to be a creative consultant and go and help a group and I mean it was amazing like I arrived on the Monday morning they showed me their play and I kind of looked at them and I said well you know what am I going to do for the week because you guys are you're really amazing um, and it's I mean to, to be able to be exposed in such an intense way to the talent that's in the Eastern Cape is I mean it was very very special um, I had a really really amazing week and uh, they're hoping you know to kind of repeat the model in other theatres around the country and I really hope that they do because you know, creating that exchange and that dialogue between people from different provinces is so important because it's yeah. very, I mean, it's very easy to kind of get isolated, especially in Cape Town. We kind of get wrapped up in everything we're doing here, but there's so much talent everywhere else, and it's really good to be able to engage with that. Yeah, and I think in the Eastern Cape, it's kind of easy to get forgotten. You know, we had so much focus around Johannesburg and Cape Town. And in fact, when we were at Grahamstown, um, we saw a production of a whole bunch of young people from the Eastern Cape, and it was really, really, really good. So yeah. it, was, it was really nice. But uh, just, uh, we, I need to talk to you a little bit about the Three Little Pigs, because that's yeah. what we're here to talk about, because you're taking it off to the Edinburgh Festival. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, and once again, you just happen to be working with a bunch of guys. Tell us a little bit about the Three Little Pigs, which has done very well. We uh, we have. Um, it started basically as uh, you know, um, like I'm such a huge fan of Rob Finfarin and James Cairns, and he and James really wanted to work with uh, me and Albert. So it was really just four friends who wanted to make a cool play, and it's kind of exploded into this insane, really whirlwind kind of um, experience for all of us. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we didn't realize what we were making when we were making it, and it's just resonated with a lot of people on a lot of different levels. And it's really cool to be able to make a play that says something. I mean, it's super fun to do, and hopefully it's fun to watch. 
Um, but it's, you know, it actually means something and it kind of, like a lot of people who've come to see it have, you know, emailed or Facebooked and said, you know, I now watch the news because I watched your play and I want to kind of know a bit more about what's going on around me, which is, it, what, is it, a good thing. What's it going to mean in, in Edinburgh? Because uh, there's huge competition. There are a million. If we go to the National Arts Festival, was big here. There's sort of like 20 times as many productions, if not more. Um, Miss Julia's over there, so they're obviously they're sort of warm to what's going on in South Africa. Are they going to get The Three Little Pigs? I think they will. I mean, we've travelled. We've travelled with the to Australia, and I think different people, what's different people respond to what, different parts of the play. What, what's it about, Tara? Uh, it's about the criminal and just kind of the criminal underbelly of South Africa. So, really taking a taking a hard look at the justice system, at the police system, where things are failing, where things need to sort of be improved, and. I think that's, you know, it's a problem pretty much around the rest of the world. Um, in Australia, you know, they don't kind of confront that problem in the same way that we do, but they, you know, they kind of connected with other parts of the play. Um, people from New York have seen it and said, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, it was like being in New York just with different accents. Like, mm. our police system is exactly the same. It's as corrupt. We have as many problems. And, I mean, we the kind of feedback we've got from international audiences is a lot of those kinds of comments, which is very exciting. I'm very interested to see how the folks in Edinburgh take it. Yes, nothing if not honest. What with uh, that and Miss Julie coming from South Africa, I think there can be some eye-opening moments there in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. Tara, we're going to let you get back to your packing. Thank you very Thank much. You so and much. have the most wonderful, wonderful time and see as much as you possibly can, given Thank the constraints of what you're doing. Lovely. Take care. You too. Tara Notcut, well, well done to her on her way to the Edinburgh Festival with The Three Little Pigs. And I haven't seen it, but I believe it's done really, really well. So if it comes to a theatre near you, make sure you see it. Stay with us, it's otherwise. You asked for it, and now it's here. SAFM proudly presents the best of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, the dance edition. Dance yourself silly in this compilation of the best dance numbers of the African Connection with Richard Mwamba, now available at reputable CD outlets. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Tevin Campbell, and right now, you're listening to SAFM. South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Otherwise, it is with me, Nancy Richards, talking women, and talking to women in the theatre right now, in fact, because I have with me in the studio, uh, well, she's an actor, but actually, Susan Danford has suddenly turned producer, <laughs> so I suppose that she's wearing a number of different hats. Well, here she is to tell us all about a play called Vigil. It certainly caused a stir, a stir in Grahamstown, but uh, as I read, it's caused a stir all over the place, uh, from yes. New York to Tokyo. Uh, yes. <laughs> translated into 19 languages. Uh, yes. Uh, what is it? Well, it's about relationships, I yes. understand. But what is it with this play? Who wrote it and why is it so um, widely accepted? It's written by Maurice Panitch, who um, is not known to South Africans, uh, I guess, in the theatre world, really, uh, or as a writer. Maurice Panitch is is a Canadian writer. I was exposed to some of his work at the World Theatre Festival in Toronto. And... um, 
uh, in another production that he'd written and directed uh, called The Overcoat. And Morris uh, plays in a, uh, enjoys the themes of life and death in a very comedic, sort of dark humor way. And it's, it kind of is a, a theme that runs through his writing. And um, through that, I got to read this play, Vigil, and uh, many years ago, and it never left me. And I, I, I found it moving, heartfelt, and at the same time, very, very funny. <laughs> well, kind of hard to believe. It seems that people are going to think that we're a little bit death obsessed here, on otherwise, because we've spoken about it a number of times in the right. last week. But, but I, I read that, and I believe that it's, um, it is very funny. It's a two-hander. Yes. Um, and it's a very sort of a very tender relationship going on between the two. Tell us about them. Um, the tender relationship is an aging aunt who writes this letter to her middle-aged nephew and saying, you know, I'm, I'm seeing my final days ahead of me. Please come quickly and be with me and sit vigil. And, and then the wonderful twist in Morris's writing, and he is a great storyteller because there are twists and turns all through the play. You think you can predict where the story's going to go, and it doesn't. And, uh, yes, so the aging aunt, not giving too much away, um, is suddenly no longer on a very tight schedule. <laughs> And the nephew ends up being there for, you know, a, a few season changes. Rather and so they, yes, so, and then there are a couple of twists and turns in the tale again, which I don't want to spoil. But I also, Nancy, when reading it, and I, um, having been in the theatre for many years, I was just passionate about its classic storytelling and its theatricality. And I thought, that, I mean, it's a piece that really belongs in the theatre. And uh, Graham Hopkins and Vanessa Cook, who are... I don't want to say veteran because they feel it's ageist, but I, I, I then perhaps would like to say luminary, mm. South African theatre talent. So to see Graham and Vanessa, and I can say this because I'm not on stage, I'm actually watching every night um, in the producing realm, to see such experienced, skilled, talented actors working as an ensemble in a two-hander piece is thrilling. It's thrilling for me, and clearly the critics and the audiences have responded to seeing you know, this work that um, for me just, I think the Cape Times, in fact, they did say it's brilliant entertainment, five stars, and uh, classic theatre. It's classic yeah, theatre at yeah, its best. It's traditional yes. gem, I think. Yes, traditional gem, there you go. Um, it's, that's praise indeed coming from a fellow actor, because I would imagine as an actor suddenly wearing a produ- producer's hat to be watching them on stage, you would get, want to get up there and say, no, 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 this is not what I mean. You're not doing what I have in mind. Yeah. Um, you have to sort of, in a way, trust them to do yes. what they think is right well, and, and not what you think is indeed. right. And how has it been for you in that? Well, I think world? very importantly, it's about the creative team. And at, at this junction, I'm not, I'm, uh, my husband, Stephen Jennings, and myself, uh, Stephen's also producing with me, and Graham Hopkins is also on board. So the three of us are taking risks. But the, the point is, it's about the creative collaboration, and Christopher Weir is the director, and he has a deft hand, and Christopher knew from get-go how he wanted to direct this play. So it's actually not about any actor sitting in the auditorium thinking, I can do this better. It's not about that at all. It's actually Chris's vision and taking Graham and Vanessa on board with with his um, very deft directorial experience and hand and vision. How much does one mess with a play? I mean, I I have absolutely no idea. If you read a play, and we were taken taken by it as you were, are you allowed to interpret it in a particular way? I mean, 19 languages all over yes. the world. Yes. Is it, each and every one slightly nuanced differently? Well, you see, Morris as the writer would give, would, 
would obviously see who's applying for the rights and go, okay, I'm going to, because he does direct um, Vigil himself as the writer. He's the writer-director. Do you have to sort of submit your credentials so that he can give you... Well, I think that certainly had something to do with us getting the rights and and how we visualized presenting it and producing it uh, with a vision of touring and very grateful to the National um, Arts Festival uh, and Ismail Mohammed and his uh, selective selection panel for for giving us the development money to saying okay we we trust you with this vision and we like what the play is saying and uh, and um, you know so it's up to us to also I suppose uh, Stephen myself and Graham to actually make things happen but. I have read reviews around some of those 19 different languages where they do get it wrong. Mm. Um, so you can go wrong with a play in uh, which is absurdist theatre. Um, uh, uh, Christopher Weir has 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 really captured the essence of this piece. Two yeah. two questions. Um, one sort of technical and one, you know, for, for the lay person. You talk about the set being uh, suitable for touring, uh, by which I right. understand you to mean it's quite minimal, um, yeah. so that you can sort of put it all into a suitcase and off you go to yeah. the, next, the next gig. Is that how it works? Well, in South African theatre, um, you, you need to consider touring. Mm. Um, no space can actually have musicals can run for a long time but we have such a quick turnaround time in terms of drama and comedy. So um, Renee Kramer, David Kramer's uh, wife said to me it's such a, you know, it's seemingly a short run at the Fugot Studio Theatre but that's the norm actually, three weeks you're in and you're out. But also with the vision of a touring. So the Hilton Festival is already bought the production, which we're really thrilled about. And there's great hope and tremendous interest in us playing it up in Johannesburg, which is where Graham Hopkins and Vanessa wow. Cook originate from. Do, do you not all get sort of fatigued? I mean, if you're of moving course. Right, you know, so if I say these lines one more time, I think I'll scream. Oh, but that's, but that's no, I think... I, you know, Nancy, I think at the end of the day, like when you were talking to Tara Notcut now, and and um, I think it's not about it's not about the hustle. It's actually for some, it is a kind of a calling type of thing that you are compelled to tell stories. Yeah. And I love the story, and I love the story that it translates across relationships across generations. Well, that's actually my last question. From the viewer's point of view, anybody going to watch it, what, are they go- what story are they going to absorb that they're going to take home and think, you know what, that's really made me think differently? It is about caring for each other. It's about family. And it's, it's, it's about family. It's about Kemp, played by Graham Hopkins. Um, uh, we get to learn about his upbringing. But this is a middle-aged man. Who, and we, and, but what we experience and witness is his relationship with his aging aunt. Tenacious aging. <laughs> <laughs> By the sound of it. But, but sprightly and powerful, and mm. powerful in, 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 in witnessing her on stage. I mean, Vanessa Cook has sketched the most beautiful character and to see the relationship between Kemp and Grace is indelible in my mind. And I'm not saying it because I'm involved. I mean, I'm not on the stage. I'm, I'm witnessing it. It is moving, and people have talked about that. It's funny what they share with each other, as one would with family, uh, share intimate details that you wouldn't really say to anybody else. Um, and then to see this beautiful relationship, it's moving. And maybe it's a, a way of making sure that we don't all take ourselves too seriously because you can't laugh at things you're never going to well, win. Really. And to laugh at 
Family dynamics, I think, is so important. And sometimes you, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. So <laughs> yeah. probably the way to go. Susan, it's been fascinating. Thank you very much. I really look forward to seeing it. And I know that it's been slightly eclipsed by the Rocky Horror, which is on at the same time. But um, nonetheless, I believe it's a wonderful, wonderful piece. I yes. look forward to seeing it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Susan Danford, and if you would like to see it, it's Vigil, and it's on uh, at the um, at the Fugard Theatre until the 3rd of August. So actually, it's not all that long, in fact. No, it's until 10, 10 more. So nice don't do a Cape Town thing. Get yourself there. Otherwise, you're going to miss it, and you'll be sorry. You've been listening to Otherwise, and uh, right next uh, up, it's time for the children's program. It's Shop Shop.